Hello, in this teaching on the C4 principle, this is the, the final teaching in the book. I'm going to try to give you a little summary here of what we've been through very quickly, largely just the principles, the key principles that lie undergirded. Trust that you have already been through it, you've read it or listened to the teaching. And now we want to talk about how to walk this teaching out, how to live out the C4 principle individually and organizationally. So first, let's take a look at some key principles that we need to embrace to really appreciate this principle. The first one is we have a self-existent creator who is self-revealing. He creates human beings and defines them, defines their purpose. He creates them with intent and purpose, and he creates them to be his ruling agents on earth. So this is all revealed to us in Genesis chapter 1. Furthermore, this creator is knowable and self-revealing through scripture, first, special revelation, and creation, second, which is general revelation. There are things we can know about God from general revelation, but there's even more profound revelation of God in special revelation. Scripture is inspired, inerrant, and infallible, and is the most authoritative source of revelation. This is very important a key presupposition. If you don't have a high view of scripture, then you're not going to appreciate the teaching. You're not going to appreciate the principles and you won't find any authority uh, to be able to do these things. To be able to obey scripture requires you to submit to the authority of scripture. Scripture is very challenging. It's not simple. There is a simplicity to it, but it's very com complex and requires much fine study to discern the truth. Scripture reveals that the creator is personal, sovereign, intentional, and strategic. This means that each person is created by God to serve a purpose as the creator's agent in the meta-narrative. The created universe is fallen because of the sin of mankind, and the creator in his sovereign pleasure is forbearing judgment while executing a meta-narrative of redemption. So a tool to help mankind obey the creator is the C4 principle. This is at a tool of alignment. When you find what you have C4 to do and you align with it, you're aligning with God. When you help others do the same, you're helping them align with God. Hopefully you can readily see this principle applies in every jurisdiction. It's useful to us and it's useful to everybody in the world. So this is a very, very, I think, key principle of scripture that to a large degree has not been appreciated historically because we have taken a view that God is not that personal. He's sort of personal. He, he will communicate with us. He'll do things to help us, that kind of thing. But we don't really see him as very highly intentional in our lives. So I want to encourage you to consider what scripture says. Scripture says that he is sovereign he is intentional and he's strategic over everything. There are no accidents. There's no such thing as luck. There's not really any random. Those things that we want to believe in are not congruent with scripture. So we have to grab a hold of truth. And now let's see where the truth takes us in terms of how to live it out. So let's talk about some key things individually that you need to embrace to help you understand and appreciate the C4 principle. Number one is assurance. You have to be assured that you really know the Lord. 
There are a lot of people that claim to know the Lord. They make a profession of faith, but a profession of faith doesn't mean you know the Lord. Getting baptized doesn't mean you know the Lord. Attending a church gathering doesn't mean you know the Lord. Contributing, giving, or even going on a mission trip or doing what you consider to be good works, that does not mean you know the Lord. How do you know you know the Lord? Well, here's the way. John, the Apostle John, gave us the, the answer to the question. He says in 1 John 2, verses 3 through 6, this is how we know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. Now, you got to think about this. He John doesn't sit down and elaborate. He's not telling us that you have to do it perfectly. He's saying that you have a life, a lifestyle of seeking to obey the commandments of Christ. He goes on to say, the one who says, I have come to know him, makes a profession of faith, and yet doesn't keep his commands is a liar, and the truth is not in him. We're not used to calling people liars who make a profession of faith and yet don't live it. We, we just uh, view them as slightly dysfunctional or immature or carnal, those kinds of things, which that can be true, but we have to face the fact that if you don't see the evidence, the fruit of, a, of obedience to God, you have no basis on which to believe they truly know the Lord. He goes on to say here, but whoever keeps his word, truly in him, the love of God is made complete. You see, it's being perfected. Our ability to obey the commands of Christ is not an immediate perfect ability. It is an ability that grows and develops and matures, just like you grow up physically. When you came out of the womb, you were not fully mature. You were fully human, but not fully mature. So when you come to Christ, yeah, you're fully regenerate, fully a son or daughter in the kingdom, but that doesn't mean that you are mature in how you live. You have to grow. So it concludes by saying, this is how we know we are in him, that we are in Christ and Christ is in us. The one who says he remains in him shall walk just as he walked. So living like Jesus, thinking like Jesus, choosing like Jesus, talking like Jesus, our wills giving over to the will of the Father like Jesus, these are traits of a true Christian. A true Christian will want to align with God. That's what it means to grow and to function like Jesus as you align with God. The C4 principle is a powerful tool to help you do that. So as you do that, you recognize that we are created, called to Jesus. We're empowered by the Holy Spirit who is good and we're empowered with goodness to do good. And the way that God works that out is through scripture. So 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 tells us the RK for our good work. Now remember, RK is a Greek word that refers to a starting point. It means first. What is the first in importance? What's the first in order and sequence? What's the first in priority? The RK for, for us is to live a life of good works based on scripture. So the RK is scripture. So let me read that to you. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training and righteousness that the man of God or woman of God 
may be complete, equipped for every good work. And just a reminder, in an earlier chapter, we defined a good work. A good work is a work that aligns with the will and ways of God. God defines good works. We don't get to define them. Good works are aligned with his will, and his will is done his ways and in his timing and for his glory. So those are markers of what a good work is, and you get equipped to do those good works through Scripture. Scripture is the arcade for living a holy, righteous life, just like Jesus lived. Now, finally, what attitude do you need to be able to individually appreciate and utilize the C4 principle? Well, this is my favorite text on the right attitude. It's uh, called HST. Humility, Submission, and Teachability. And my the text is Isaiah 66, verse 2. And I've underlined it here in your PowerPoint. So I'm just going to read that part. The Lord is speaking here. And he says, I will look favorably on this kind of person. One who is humble, submissive in spirit, and trembles at my word. Humility, submission, teachability. So these are the traits of a disciple, a true disciple, a true follower of Christ. And he will, this person will appreciate and value the C4 principle to guide them into alignment with God. Because ultimately the C4 principle is about aligning with the purpose of God for your life. God created you with intent and purpose. You are here because he wants you to be here. He has called you to himself and he's given you a heart to do what he wants you to do. He gives you the scripture to help you build godly character through the power of the spirit. He gives you skill and ability. This is, uh, this is capability. The skill and ability to do what it is you're called to do. You have a responsibility to discover your skills and develop your skills. And finally, he commissions you through authority figures to your work assignments in life. Every aspect of life, from your individual life, to your family, to your personal life, to being a mother and a, a mother or father, being, being a, a husband or wife, living in a Christian community, being in the workplace, being in, a, in the society at large, everything God has ordained and he has defined what he wants you to do, how he wants you to do it, when he wants you to do it, and why he wants you to do it. He defines it all. So learning to live this way is very challenging. This is not normal to us. It's very challenging to our propensity to be independent. We want to do what we want to do. We want to make our own choices. We want to be in charge of our lives. We want to the American dream. And the American dream is about, you know, working as hard as you can, making as much money as fast as you can so you can stop working so you can do what you want to do when you want to do it, and nobody tells you what to do. That's the American dream. It's very popular worldwide. It's the, the thrust of the financial services world. So this idolatry of humanism and is just rampant in the world, and for us to live other than that is very abnormal. So this is abnormal to be humble, submitted, and teachable. This requires the Spirit of God in you, empowering you to do this, or you'll never do it. You'll live as a, as a humanist, or another way to say humanism, as an, as an orphan. Orphans live 
disconnected from the Father. Not only earthly fathers and spiritual fathers, but the heavenly Father. So this is the requisite attitude. If we're going to appreciate this principle and utilize it in our lives, we have to be humble, submitted, and teachable before God. I want to give you an example of how it's how important it is to be under fathers to really be able to discern the will of God well. Understanding that you need to be in the will of God is one step. Understanding how to be in the will of God is the second step. So I'm just going to give you a quick illustration of this. I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but this, this gives you some guidance on how to think about it. You know, you have to learn to see reality correctly. We all tend to look at things in the natural. We measure things by what we see and what we experience, what we hear, what we taste, what we touch. In other words, we're very naturalistic in how we view reality. We're, we don't have much metaphysical awareness. Metaphysical means beyond the physical. We don't have the ability to see beyond the physical to what God may be doing in a situation. We typically default to what we see in the natural. So we need a father, a spiritual father, at least one, maybe, and I've had five. You can have, I don't know how many you're going to have, but you need a father figure in your life to help you see reality, recognize there is an, an, an aspect of reality that transcends the physical that is far, far greater and is, is determining of what's going on in the physical. The spiritual reality drives what's going on in the physical. But if you can't see the spiritual reality driving it, you see like looking at this iceberg. You see the tip of it, but you don't have a clue what's below the surface. So we have to have someone help us by first helping us realize that spiritual reality exists and it is the driver of everything. Secondly, we need the ability to be able to, uh, to understand this. And that's, that's difficult because uh, we aren't looking generally for understanding. We think we know. We've got it figured out. You'll hear people talk about, I got to figure that out. I got to work that out. Put a lot of, a lot of, uh, faith in themselves and their ability to come to right conclusions. You have to recognize you need help. We all need help. So you need somebody not only to tell you that there is underlying spiritual reality driving everything going on in your life and to help you understand what that reality is. What is the communication? What is the explanation? What's really happening? When Jesus died on the cross, in the natural, it looked like he was being executed as a criminal. That's what it looked like. But the reality was far bigger than that. And to understand it required metaphysical awareness of that, that, a, that a metaphysical phenomena was happening here and what it meant. So that took a spiritual father to explain that Jesus died on the cross was the payment for the sins of mankind so God could redeem his calling people. So that, that's mind-boggling when you step back and think about it because there's nothing in the natural that leads you there. It takes someone with metaphysical awareness and understanding to be able to help you understand that. And then we have the next step is to draw the right conclusions. Once you understand something, you understand the, the truth about something, you see the whole iceberg, not just the tip. Okay, now... Uh, you begin to try to draw conclusions. How, what, how, what do I conclude from this? 
Well, if Jesus died on the cross for our sins, then the conclusion should be, how do we connect to Jesus to take advantage of this gift? And I need to do something to do that. So you need the right conclusion. You need to recognize Jesus is Lord, Lord and Savior. What does that mean? Well, we don't fully know that, but we see that, and we see that we need to get in right relationship with him. And so that leads us then to the next, which is the choice. What's the choice you need to make? You need to be humble, submitted, and teachable, and let your spiritual fathers guide you into alignment with God using principles such as the C4 principle. So that's how this works individually. I'm stressing the importance of spiritual fathers here because it is important and it's largely not understood, at least in my world, the world anecdotally that I live in, I see very few people that really get this. So I wanna encourage you, this is important. You've got to, you need to understand the C4 principle and you need to understand the importance of being under fathers and mothers to help you apply it. So now let me just talk a bit about the organizational application. And this is, takes us into all the various jurisdictions. This assumes that you are applying the C4 principle individually, personally, and you need to recognize this is a powerful tool for your family. Your family is your God-given garden, part of it anyway, and you have a, a, a spouse, and you have children, generally, most of us do. And even if you don't have, a, you know, you're not married, do you still have a call to some community that you would consider to be family? So you wanna be engaged with every family member, encouraging them to line up with the will and ways of God, to line up with the C4 principle. Proverbs 22, six tells us you should train up a child on the way he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. That's a really powerful reality that, that as parents training children, most of the time when they're young, they, the children are not appreciative of all that you are doing for them. When you were a child, you were not appreciative. And if you, as you become a parent, you begin to experience that reality that children can't really express their appreciation well. So you've got to be okay with that and you've got to be patient with them and you've got to keep guiding them and directing them into alignment with their C4 calling. What is it God created them to do? And you as a parent from their birth all the way till the, as long as you're alive with them, you are, should be trying to help them develop their character, develop a sensitivity to what's in their heart that God has put there develop those skills and abilities, and then call out as a commissioning agent what you see as the purpose of God for their life. That's what parenting is all about. Parenting is not about making life comfortable for your children. It's not about making yourself comfortable through your children by avoiding pain. It's about alignment with God. And that's why the C4 principle is so powerful. The next, next thing is the workplace and everybody works. Homemakers work at home. Many of us will work outside of the home, and usually it's the men, but increasingly women do that as well. And wherever you work, you've got to know God is sovereign over that. And he's given you the skill and ability and the opportunity. He's opened the door for you to go work where you're working. So you want to be circumspect about using the C4 principle to discern where you're supposed to work, 
and then trying to use the Beyond Babel model to help you align with God. Both of these, both the Beyond Babel model and the C4 principle are tools of alignment with God. That's the only correct and proper way to live in a universe where Jesus paid the price to redeem us from our sins and called us now to live a life of obedience to him. It's exactly what Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself it is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. For you are God's workmanship. You've been created by God. You've been designed by God sovereignly to do a work assignment in the meta narrative. That is what God is doing. This is what we're called to do with Him: bring alignment with our lives and, and the purpose of God. Bring alignment between our lives and the will of God. Not we're not. It's never our will. It's always His will. So seeking to discern our role and play our role. And we will be in organizations many times to do this. Very few people fulfill their purpose outside of an organization. I mean, even a family is an organization. You have to have a family to have children. So you realize that, okay, organizations are a tool that God has ordained for us to fulfill our purpose. This is where we fulfill our calling. And as we fulfill our calling individually in organizations, it facilitates what God wants to do through the organization. So we have to approach this again with HST. And so what Paul tells Titus here in Titus 2, 9 and 10 is kind of how, how to walk out HST as a faithful you know, worker in an organization. So the context here is Paul is, being, is explaining to Titus how to train men and women and finally the workers. He says slaves, but you have to understand slaves were the workers of the first century. So he says, teach workers to be subject to their masters and everything. Keeping in mind that you're not under anyone that God hasn't ordained for you to be under. So God sovereignly places you under masters, under bosses, under leaders, under managers, you know, whoever it is you're under, God has put you there. So are you to be subject to them in everything? which means you're supposed to show up, show up totally ready to do your assignment, to please them, to be there with a good attitude, to have a heart at, don't, don't speak poorly, don't be critical, unkind, and sensitive. Speak out of a good heart, which means you need to be in fellowship with God. Don't talk back to them. Don't steal. In other words, you steal from your employer anytime you use, you, use things for your own agenda. You're there to serve the purpose of God in the organization. That's, that's a definition of love. If you really love the Father, you will love him by how you work. And that means you will faithfully do what you have been created and called to do, and you will do it well. And when you do this, you will become a trustworthy worker. Your employers will totally trust you. And something even more surprising, you will be a light to people. Your good works will light up and reveal Jesus. And so that in every way, you will make the teaching about God our Savior attractive. So it's kind of like you put makeup on God. You make God look good. You make him appealing, attractive, because you are working the way God designed you to work, the way he called you to work. You Starting with understanding the C4 principle 
and, and aligning with that for the work assignment God has for you. I hope you can hear this. This is just a powerful reality of how God works and how everything flows together. We have today frequently disconnected evangelism from work. Or if we connect it, it's more like, okay, well, work's just a place where you go evangelize without realizing how God wants us to evangelize. God's intent for evangelism is given to us in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16. This is where Jesus is first explaining his good news. He came with good news that would change how the people understood the scripture. You see, he's very regulated by the word of God, by the Old Testament, and we should be too, but we have to understand it in light of the fact that Jesus is Lord in Christ. And he did for us what we could never do for ourselves. The Old Testament testifies to our total depravity, our inability to self-save, our inability to work out our salvation. We have to have a savior. And Jesus did that for us. So we need to understand that. And when you understand that, you realize what God wants you to do is now he wants to empower you and he wants you to live such a holy life of alignment with him that will that when people see it, they will see Jesus. That's what he means by being light. You are light to the world when you obey the will and ways of God and the timing of God for the glory of God. That's a good work. When you do that, you make God look good. So that's what he's talking about here. He's giving you a very holistic view of reality using the workplace as an example of how to live. You should live this way in your home. You should live this way in the Christian community. You should live this way in the society at large. We should always seek alignment with God, doing what he's created and called us to do, and use these principles of C4 and Beyond Babel to help you align with God. And finally, civil societies, it's rare today that we think of Christianity and civil societies as going together, but they're actually very congruent. So notice what Paul says in Romans chapter 13. He says, let everyone submit to the governing authorities since there is no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are instituted by God. So that the one who resists the authorities opposing God's command and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. You see, all authority is God-ordained. Immediately, most people start thinking about all the wicked you know, rulers that they've been under, whether it's been civil rulers or church leaders or marketplace leaders or even maybe a, a tyrannical spouse. Um, uh, you know, there, there, there are going to be problems in every jurisdiction because we're, we're in a world that is being redeemed, but has not yet been fully redeemed. So sin and death are very much part of our world. So we have to understand that has not been eradicated totally. If the, the foundation for eradicating has already been laid, the work that Jesus did laid the foundation. Now the full execution of it is being deferred until it's coming. And that's all for God's sovereign purpose. So in the meantime, while we are here, we need to know God's still in charge. He's still in control. And we have, a, we have to know whoever we are under, whatever civil authorities we're under, we must obey to the limit of breaking scripture. 
That's where we stop it. If they ask us to violate scripture, we have to say no. But as long as they're not asking us to violate scripture, then we, we should try to the best of our ability to live underneath and submitted to them, knowing that God has put them there and you never fully know what God's going to do in and through them. So this is the key. Alignment with God again. HST, humility, submission, teachability. It's godly character is required. You will have a call in your civil society. You have the ability, the capability to do that call, and you will be commissioned by some authority figure to do it. So you've got to be responsible and grow in the grace and knowledge of Christ and mature so you can fulfill your calling in civil society as well. C4 principle is powerful in every, every area of life. Well, finally, I just want to give you um, a quick example of the difference between living randomly, living narcissistically, and living very intentionally, you know, as a called person under God. So I've got this little table here. On the left is a column, and you see at the top, it says Atheist Max Jukes. Uh, he lived an ungodly life, married an ungodly girl, and from this human came, this union came 310 who died as paupers, 150 criminals, seven murderers, 100 drunkards, more than half the women were prostitutes, and his 540 descendants cost the state more than $1.25 million. So that's the fruit of atheism. Atheism is all about living as a humanist. It's about living as an orphan. That's the, nat the state we're born into as a result of the fall. I was going to call it a natural state. It's really not the natural state. The natural state is the original state Adam and Eve were made in. That's the natural state. So we today are born as abnormal humans. Everyone is born this way. We're abnormal in the sense this is not, was not originally God's design. We're in a fallen state, but God in his love and mercy is redeeming. He's redeeming a people at his sovereign pleasure in his sovereign ways. But when you, you get lined with God, when you take responsibility, if where you have the ability to be responsible and you do what God is creating and called you to do, you can have the fruit of the right-hand column, which is a Puritan Jonathan Edwards. You probably have heard of him. He was a famous Puritan pastor of the 18th century. He lived a godly life and married a godly girl. And from this union came the following. 295 college graduates, 13 college presidents, 65 college professors, 100 preachers and missionaries, 60 physicians, 60 authors of prominence, 100 judges, 30 lawyers, 30 judges, 75 army and naval officers, three United States senators, one VP of the United States, some governors of states and 80 public officials in other capacities. And his 1,394 descendants cost the state nothing. That's what happens when you align with God. You, are, you produce a profit. You're not a drag on society. Furthermore, you have eternal life. You have the answer to life. You know how to live. You have the word of God to guide you. You have the grace to believe it because faith is a gift and you're given that gift to believe and trust the Lord. So this is the power, the power of alignment with God. The C4 principle is a tool of alignment with God. It makes an enormous difference in our lives in terms of doing the things that God has called us to do and the fruit that comes from it. John 15 says this, we're to abide in the vine. 
And as we abide in the vine, we will bear fruit. And as you bear fruit, you'll get pruned and you'll bear more fruit. This is the way of God, is bearing fruit. The way of the humanist, the atheist, the orphan, there's no fruit there. The fruit only comes from alignment with God. His will done his ways and his timing for his glory. The C4 principle, the Beyond Babel model, the scriptures. This, these are the powerful tools. And remember, Beyond Babel model comes out of scripture. C4 principle comes out of scripture. So ultimately, it's the scripture that guides us into alignment with God. So may we have grace to learn to live this way. And may the C4 principle be a powerful tool to help us in that journey. So Lord bless you and give you much grace and favor to live in that reality. In Jesus' name, amen.